Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you, our listening audience, with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness. Join your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute, Hasina Roach, Relational Consultant, and Radio Host, Wanda Miles. Now, here's your host, Katrina Jones. Wow, very nice introduction. I love it. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Well, yeah. we want to we want to welcome um our we want to welcome everyone to another edition of of Positively Affirmative and um Hasina, how how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Trying to rest a little bit. Trying to and enjoying every moment of my rest. Yeah, but yeah, because last week you were a world traveler. Tell us where you went. <laughs> I went to Trinidad and Tobago. That is mm-hmm. right to Venezuela in South America. It's a small two two country island right next to Venezuela. Nice. Right next- so it was hot. <laughs> okay. Wow. Very nice. Very, very nice. Very nice. Um, uh, Wanda will not be with us today. Oh. Um, we hope. Yeah, but we hope she'll be with us next week. Uh, but we do have a, a very exciting show, and I've I've been um, anxiously. <laughs> Uh, awaiting this show, um, we're going to talk about comedic yoga. Um, so I'm going to ask everyone to please join us as we welcome Nafa, who will take us through the journey of comedic yoga as a philosophy, lifestyle, and as a healing discipline for the mind, body, and soul. We will learn how the ancient practice of comedic yoga can be used and incorporated into our contemporary lifestyles to develop self-control, concentration, prosperity, insight, stress management, wellness, and and many other character traits um, and skills. Comedic yoga is not only a practice used by many individuals worldwide, but companies are also discovering the benefits of yoga for their employees. Come with questions and an open mind to learn if yoga can be used as a slow medicine to cure what ails you. So, Nafo, we want to welcome you to our show today. Thank you for having me. Mm. <laughs> All right, thank Nafo. You, thank you. Tell me about yourself. What is your story? Um, well, <clears throat> um, I, I've uh, been practicing comedic yoga for some years now. Um, it really started when uh, my, my teacher, Ank Akul, would invite me out to the beach to do yoga on Sundays where he was giving a free class, but 
never went until I started having some issues, some sciatic pain issues. And uh, so I decided one day to go give it a try. And when I went out there, I just found myself going back, you know, just every Sunday I would just be there. And I don't know how many classes or sessions I went through before, you know, I felt release and relief. And I just felt, you know, completely liberated from that pain and discomfort. So, you know, that led me to a point where I wanted to, you know, share my experience with with other people. So I, I decided to um, take the next step and, um, you know, become certified by Natural Brilliance for Life, you know, who's owned by Anka Ku, my teacher, and uh, become a certified comedic yoga teacher in uh, the system known as what's called Tefnateru. And so I've been practicing, teaching, and studying it for, you know, about seven or more years now and um, it's just been a liberating and continues to be a liberating experience for me. I have another question. Do you practice in Hollywood? On the beach? I know a group that practices over there. Is that you? Yes, I'm a part of that group. That was actually where I first started doing yoga and that was where I taught my first yoga class to the public. And right. I still teach out there once in a while. Okay, so we run in the same circle. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> all right. All right. And then when you talk about Hollywood, you mean Hollywood, Florida, right? Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, you, you may have answered this question, but I'm going to ask you about your your, your passion you you know you kind of told us the story of how you began your yoga journey um but how did it become a passion for you how did it turn into a passion um it just um it was just a continued practice it just as i said it it just became a liberating and continues to be a liberating experience for me so you know, the more I do it, the more I study, the more I practice, the more liberated I feel physically and the non-physical aspect of me. So it just is something that I don't seem to be able to get enough of and I don't want to stop doing. So, you know, and as I feel the benefits from my experiences on the mat and off the mat, you know, I, I like to share that with the other practitioners who come to my class, you know. So that's what drives me, just the 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 internal yoga, not so much what goes on on the mat, but what, happen, what happens inside as you go through the process and you focus your mind energy on the process and, and on the liberating feeling that you have at the end of the process or at the conclusion of the process. Mm. <clears throat> and and Nafa, you know, I'm I'm a student of yours, and I can remember um, when I began taking classes with you, and there were so many things that um, that I was unable to do, and you would always say, you know, don't don't, you know, allow your body to take you where it goes, and 
you know, because of the way that you teach, I have developed a, a love for yoga, and I find myself over time um, being able to do things that I never thought I'd be able to do, um, not only physically, but um, even mentally I'm, I'm beginning to notice um, my ability to um, to focus and um, to just meditate, I, I guess I would say, um, and and use a lot of the techniques that happen on the mat um, in my everyday life. So I just want to say that. Yes, yeah, thanks. But and and that's the real yoga right there. What 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 you can take off the mat and apply it to your regular daily life, you know the postures is just a way to discipline the body. Before the body can be disciplined, or you can get the body to move into a certain pose, you have to first free up the mind so that the mind can give way to the body. So you know as as we as we continue to work on the mat. You know, we realize that most of the work is happening inside, internally, not externally. And that's where the real magic and the real benefits of yoga come in. When we start to realize our own potential and as as, as you saw today and as we said today, it can be it's an experience in becoming aware of yourself where you gain knowledge of yourself. Because as you do the movements and the poses and the breathing and you focus your mind on that experience and on that moment, you begin to learn things and discover things about yourself. Yes, I can 100% agree with you. I also do yoga. I've never done kinetic yoga, so I might have to come out to Hollywood one day and check it out. Hollywood, Florida. Indeed. Indeed. Now, or you can just, you know, come to one of my classes with Katrina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe I can make that happen one day. So my other question before I get into your definition of comedic yoga is, is mm-hmm. being that your passion, is this something you do every day? Do you have another passion that pays the bills? How does that work for you? Well, this is something I do every day for my own well-being. But to pay the bills, um, I'm a telephone technician. That's how I pay the bills and keep the roof over the head and, you know, clothes on the children's backs. But um, this is something I do every day, you know. Um, My body feels weird if I don't do something, you know, and then my mind becomes agitated because, you know, there's, there's so much things that go on during the day that you need some way to release it, some way to deal with it, some way to process it so you can, you know, get a grip on what's going on so you can find another way to maybe deal with the situation that affected you in a not-so-positive way. So you can take that time on the mat, you know, to replay, rewind, and replay the tape and pick it apart and see how you can make your, your, your tomorrow better by the things we do today. Like I tell my son, I say, your tomorrows are affected by your today. So what you do today will determine how your tomorrow looks. So yoga has helped me to come to that that understanding. Most definitely. I understand now. That makes perfect sense, and you still do it every single day. And 
I think that's a part of just doing practice. And when people get into a practice, it just makes their life so much better. So what is your definition? Yes. What is your definition of yoga and comedic yoga? Well, according to the meaning of the word, yoga means to yoke or to bind, to bring together, to unite, to unify. But from my experience, yoga means liberation. Again, you know, I, I'm going to keep saying that because it it is a liberating experience. If you have stiffness in your joints and you get the right yoga class, the right teacher, the right technique, you'll start to feel that your joints will become liberated from that stiffness. You know, you have tightness and resistance in the muscles and you get that, get on the mat, you feel that you start to find that over time with commitment to yourself, not so much to practice, but to yourself. And that's why you practice because you're committed to yourself, your well-being. So as you commit yourself to these practices, you'll find that you you're start to be liberated from anxiety, from stress, from tension, from fatigue, the breath will become liberated. You'll start to breathe with purpose and with awareness. So for me, that's the meaning of yoga. It's, it's liberation. And comedic yoga, in, in, to be specific, kemet meaning, you know, black or the black land, you know, which is what we know as Egypt today was called thousands of years ago. You know, it was called kemet. So comedic yoga, for me, it, it's a cultural connection back to Northeast Africa, to the Nile civilization, where in which we know that so many other cultures and civilizations were influenced by it. So comedic yoga for me is a, is a cultural liberation again, because here it is, we have that tie into culture, into Mother Africa, into the Nile Valley. So it, for for me, that that is a cultural liberating experience or culturally liberating apparatus. Okay, wow, I love it. And as you talk about <clears throat> as you talk about the roots of um, comedic yoga, can you tell us what it, is is the history of comedic yoga and the philosophy? Is it is it the same thing? And if it's, if not, can you explain the, the the you know the philosophy of comedic yoga? Well, the 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 outcome is the same for both systems. What they call Indian yoga, yoga from India, whether it be Ashtanga, Hatha, they they um they all deal with the same. The philosophy is is built to take you to the same place meaning to liberate you internally, to free you internally, to help you grow and develop internally and to enlighten you to find your true self within. So the only difference or the main difference between comedic yoga and the other systems of yoga that I've found is that some of the, the, the particular movements and postures have comedic names or terminologies and the fact that many of the poses mimic the drawings and the paintings that we see carved on the walls and painted on the walls, which are thousands of years old. So that's one of the, the main differences. Plus the principles and the philosophies and the teachings are based on the ancient principles or what's called the mystery system of ancient Kemet. So 
these principles are what we know as the principle of Ma'at, the principle of Astar, Astet, Heru, who are called gods and goddesses, but they're actually principles that are within each and every one of us that we must learn to cultivate. So the process of comedic yoga helps us to cultivate these principles within ourselves. And as we cultivate them and practice them, they help us to to adjust our thinking. And as our thinking becomes adjusted, that will in turn adjust how we behave and how we function. So the the philosophy is it it it, it differs in the fact that it's based on ancient uh Nile Valley civilization teaching or ancient African teaching as opposed to something that comes out of India. But again, the 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 purpose and the end result is the same thing. It's for enlightenment and liberation. Okay. So when you talk about which one is is better or anything like that. Okay. And when you talk about enlightenment and liberation, are you talking about virtues like truth, nonviolence, right action, self control, right you know, using your speech properly, right speech, um, you know, service, those type of um character traits? Indeed, yes, because, um, you know, when you think right, that's going to dictate or cause you to act right and behave right, and you're going to live right. So that's only an enlightened being would want, would be concerned with truth, justice, and righteousness. So it, it that is enlightenment when you move into that realm of being where you want truth, justice, and righteousness for all life forms, for all living things, for all men, for all women, for all children. So the the enlightenment is that, that is coming to that understanding that, you know, we have to, again, be mindful of our thoughts. We have to control our thoughts, what we think, you know. So it's our mind, it's your mind, so what you think, is what you allow to come into your head, into your head space. So if you're thinking a thought and you're not sure why you're thinking it, you should stop and consider that. Like, why am I thinking this and I'm not aware of why I'm thinking it, right? So comedic yoga helps us to get a grip on those things, and that's part of the enlightenment process, and that's part of the growth and development from within, where it helps you to get a grip of your inner self, your true self, and you start to maintain control and self-mastery from within. But it starts on the physical level. And as we learn to control our physical nature and our physical behavior, then we can move deeper within ourselves to that aspect of ourselves that we can't see, smell, taste, or touch with the physical senses. D. Really, I like it a lot. So is Kometic Yoga older than the yoga practices of India? Well, based on the timeline in Dr. Martha Ashby's book, um, Kometic Yoga, The Philosophy of Enlightenment, he gives the timeline and he shows that it is older in terms of the the practices, the movements, and the philosophy which was going on at the time. 
And but we have also have to realize that these two cultures they developed almost side by side. You know, one was further east than the other. But in as the Kemetic yoga um, um, practice was being developed in ancient Kemet, the Indian yoga was also being developed. But they didn't have, according to the the the, the book Philosophy and Enlightenment. The the postures there weren't as many postures or movements. It was basically a seated posture, and you were sitting upright, and you're in a state of deep meditation, you know. And as over time it developed, and the lineage spread, where more movements, poses, and postures were incorporated into into the system and the practice. But the Kemetic Yoga system, if you look at the timeline and you follow. The, the movements and the poses and the postures of the gods and goddesses, you will see, as he shows you the, the chronology, the time the timeline, you'll see that it is more ancient. Wow. I can see that definitely. Because what? when I think of Hemet, I think of, you know, the first to me when I think of Hemet, because that's ancient Egypt. And India maybe was developed after that. So that makes perfect sense. I mean, okay. it's, that's not conventional teaching, you know, but certain things, you know, convention doesn't teach. You have to go and search and look and right. see for yourself. Yeah. You know, and even sometimes when we, yeah, even sometimes when we see because of conventional teaching, we'll deny what's plain in front of our faces. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. Um, we have a caller on the line, so I think I'm going to see if they have any questions, okay? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So I'll go to the next question. Well, Nafa. I'm, oh, yeah. Aren't you going to go separately, Katrina, to go and Say see that person? Are you bringing the person no. on? Gonna... Yeah, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring them on. Hold on. Caller okay. area code area code four six nine. Do you have any questions? No, I'm just vitally listening for right now. That's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, thank you for joining us. Yes, guys. So the next question that I was the next question I was gonna ask, and this might sound a little silly, but <laughs> what significance of breathing and is there a proper proper way to breathe um yeah breathing is the most significant physical action i think we do on a daily basis the first breath we take from the moment we come out of the womb is the most powerful breath we've ever taken because remember when you come out of the womb the lungs haven't yet expanded so that first breath you take and you trigger the system, it turns everything on, it starts the engine, you start to function on your own. So breathing is a very powerful action. Um, when we breathe, we should breathe with purpose. Most of the time we breathe, you know, we're just walking around nonchalant. We're not paying attention to our breathing. So when we breathe, we should breathe with purpose and awareness so that when we inhale, we should feel as the air enters the nostrils, how cool it feels as it travels into the nostril. And as you exhale, you should feel the warmth as you release that 
that used air. As we were discussing today in class that our respiratory system isn't just in our chest, it's not just the lungs, the respiratory system, the head is a part of the respiratory system because you have your, your nostrils, right? And then you have your windpipe in your neck. So the neck is part of it. Then you have your, your, your chest where your lungs are and the diaphragm underneath that, right? And without breathing, nothing else in the body can happen. Nothing, because if you're not breathing, you're not living, right? People want to take it one step or one day at a time. You can't step if you're not breathing. So you have to take it one breath at a time with purpose and awareness. Now, the proper way to breathe is to breathe in and breathe out. Some people say you have to breathe and expand your abdomen and breathe into your chest. As long as you're breathing and you're alive, that's good, right? But when you want to develop certain breathing skills and techniques to make breathing more efficient, there are certain techniques that we do practice, like the abdominal breath, you know, which is a basic one where you inhale and you allow the abdomen to just expand as much as it can naturally. And as it expands, you feel the air filling the the, the lungs. So you want to fill the lungs from the abdomen up to where it starts to expand the chest and lift the collarbone gently. So you know that the lungs are full with oxygen. And now that oxygen, right, is taken by the heart as it enters the bloodstream through the lungs and it's pumped through the rest of the body and it does its magic. That one breath, right, now travels through the body via the bloodstream to nourish and to give the cells the fuel they need to perform their job. And after they've done what they've used that oxygen, that waste material, the carbon dioxide, is now brought back to the lungs by the heart and you exhale and release that. So they say the majority of the waste that we, we release from our bodies is through the exhale. And about that's about 70%. And they said the other 30% is through solid waste, sweat, urine, you know, and, and fecal matter. So breathing is essential for cleansing the body, keeping it healthy, keeping the body energized, and keeping yourself aware and awake as well as nourishing all the cells in the body. Again, breathing is the, the breath is the most important meal you consume on a daily basis. Important meal you consume daily is the breath. That's where most of your nourishment and vitamins come in. Because if you're not nourished by the breath, again, your body cannot process or do any of the other amazing processes it needs to do and it has to do if there is no fresh oxygen in the bloodstream. So when we breathe, we must breathe with mindfulness, awareness, purpose. Make sure the breath is deep. Make sure it's full. Make sure it's nurturing. It's nourishing. And enjoy it as you take it in. It's so funny that you talk about breathing. In my book that I have, I talk about breathing and how important it is. And that could be a whole radio show by itself. Um, when I talk to people, I always say that you have to breathe. And I find that the way we live today in rushing around and doing this and doing that and not giving that time to just be, we don't breathe because we're rushing around, maybe working. 
and then we're taking our kids to these activities, and then we got to get dinner ready, and then we have to get ready to bed, and then do it all over again, and over, and over, and over, and we don't get a chance to breathe. Even as I hear you talking, you're talking at a certain pace. I, at times, have to remind myself to breathe. Because we just rush through things, and if we rush through things, we're missing out. And another thing I said in my book was when we breathe, that oxygen is what feeds our cells to move around and do all the things they do. If we don't have oxygen in our cells, they can't do the functions that they're supposed to. And I have a feeling that I know who you are now. I definitely do. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, I'm going to say the last name of this person. She told me about, and I'm not sure if you did it or someone else, but she told me about a breeding meditation she did, and she said that Ms. DaCosta said that she was sweating after doing this breathing exercise. I'm not sure if it was with you or another one of the teachers there. But can you talk about the exercises? Do you know anything about that? Because I thought that was so cool, and I can't wait to hear another one coming up. No, I wasn't there for that um, particular um, demonstration. That was one of the other comedic yoga buses. Oh, but geez. but we do we do in 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 the class we do we do some. Um, I, I usually allow everyone to breathe at their own pace because I want them to find their own natural breathing rhythm because everyone has their own natural rhythm. All I'm requesting is that you breathe with purpose and awareness and allow the breath to fill your lungs completely, you know, and and, and just be aware and be mindful of the breath as you take it in and as you release and just breathe at your own natural rhythm, your own natural pace, because you've been doing this for however long you've been alive, and to try and change it all of a sudden in one class, it's not going to work. There's going to be too much agitation in the mind and too much resistance to change it. So allowing people to just breathe at their own natural pace and allowing them to learn to take full, deep, nourishing, nourishing breath at that pace will allow them to slowly ease into other breathing techniques over time, and you can start to show them how to do the kidney breath where you breathe in and you have the lungs expand and you push out and massage the kidneys, and, you know, where you breathe into the into the lower extremities, into the groin. Those other techniques can be taught at other times. And if this, this, this breathing technique um, class you're talking about, about was probably a class that I was probably in as well with um, with um, probably a, a, a gentleman by the name of Wayne Chandler. I don't know if that's the class this person was talking about. Not sure, but I just know okay. Mr. said she was sweating after, and I was like, wow, I really got to see okay. how that, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Vanessa, as you two were talking, not only were you talking about breathing, but you began to talk a little bit about uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask, how would you define meditation and what are the benefits? Um, benefits of, of meditation, one of the benefits, um, there are you know, many benefits to 
meditating and stilling the mind and, you know, allowing the mind to just focus on a single point. But one of the benefits is clarity of mind, detach the mind from external external distractions, helping the mind to relieve and release itself from any anxiety or tension, you know, helping the mind to pay attention to itself and not to other things that are pulling it in all sorts of directions. And the mind is is a very complex thing. It has many layers because we have the conscious mind and we have the subconscious mind. And we have to be mindful that when we meditate, lots of times when we meditate, things that pop up into the conscious mind are things that were in the subconscious mind. So meditation allows us to view and to see what the subconscious mind is entertaining, what we really have inside our our heads, what type of thoughts we collect, what's in the vault. So meditation allows us room and space to really check, see what we have going on inside our minds, inside our heads, you know, well, as other times when people meditate, they want to let go and not think of anything, just allow the mind to be free, just allow thoughts to drift. But as those thoughts drift by like clouds, again, those are the things that are coming up out of your subconscious, into conscious view. So meditation for me, it gives me the opportunity to examine to examine my mind, my, my unconscious mind, and to examine I entertain and the type of thoughts that I have and that will eventually influence what I do and how I behave. And that will give me the time and opportunity to find ways to either expel them or to cultivate them depending on the effect they may have on how I behave in the future. So I'm not sure if that answered your question. Well, it's really interesting because um, I know that when when we are on the mat, and you always you always say, you know, focus on the mat. You know, when you come into mm-hmm. yoga, nothing else matters. Just focus mm-hmm. on what's happening right here, right now. Pay attention to your body. Pay attention to the messages your body is sending you. You know, you, you know, pay attention to the resistance, pay attention to the ease, and that, for me, that really helps me to let go of things that are, you know, like the world, (laughs) you know, the things that I may have had in my head, on my shoulders, Um, you know, when when I walk into class, um, I know that I can leave that right, you know, I leave that at the door. And when I come onto the mat, focusing on my breathing, um, you know, focusing on my body, um, and that is becoming such um, a great practice for me. Um, And so it just seems like meditation can mean different things. Um, But, you know, for me, I think um, being able to... um, Focus on thoughts that bring me ease <laughs> um, right. is is what kind of stands out for me. 
and and that's and that yoga is meditation in motion, and that's why I always that's why you hear me stay focused on what you're doing on the mat at that moment, you know, and that's why I started off with the but but I said meditation can be a way of you detaching and letting go, or it can be a way of you focusing on one specific thing, right? So you can use that energy of meditation at your will. It's an apparatus. It's a tool, just like a hammer. You have a hammer. You can build a house or you can destroy the house with the hammer. So meditation is the tool. It's how you use it. And once you're trained to use the tool in the proper way, you can apply that tool and always get positive results. All right. Katrina, I think it's that time. <laughs> All right. Um, we are going to um, take a commercial. Yeah, we're going to take a commercial break, and we will be right back. All righty. All right. Satori Life Skills Institute is an instructional business institute offering business development classes to aspiring entrepreneurs and those interested in personal and professional development. We are a team of consultants that specialize in specific areas of business. We come together to provide a comprehensive package of services using a holistic approach that ensures that you receive leading-edge information in leadership, social and emotional intelligence theory, and practical application. Satori Life Skills Institute is dedicated to empowering aspiring entrepreneurs and those interested in personal and professional development in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness. We'll help you find the answers to powerful questions. How am I conducting business? Am I living my mission statement? Am I leaving this place better than I found it because of my contribution? We offer coaching sessions, consulting, and business and personal development classes. Satari Life Skills Institute. We've developed a series of classes that provide real-world tools and strategies that yield solid business, professional, and personal results. Basic bookkeeping, what business owners need to know. Be successful, how to start and stay in business. How to survive in the U.S. business culture. Networking to get business. We also offer free one-session workshops that provide education and resources that outline the steps that startups need for success. And then there's our Mastermind Business Group, an ongoing monthly support group that focuses on aligning goals, learning, and growth with other like-minded professionals. To learn more about our classes, visit us at satarilifeskills.com. That's satarilifeskills.com, S-A-T-A-R-I, lifeskills.com. Or call 800-590-0056. SatariLifeSkills.com or 800-590-0056. And join us here weekly on Positively Affirmative every Sunday at 5 p.m. Satari Life Skills Institute. Transform and grow your life and business. All right, and we're back. Yes. Awesome. So I have another question. Comedica, it's about easing into postures, correct? Opposed to focusing yourself into postures. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. um, You know, um, the way I was taught um, is that 
yoga is dynamic. And as I, I've practiced and as I've studied and, you know, um, assisted in classes, I don't like to say taught, teach classes because I'm there to assist, you know, those who are on the mat. I'm there to guide and to help um, along the way and make the, the process um, a process of ease instead of a process of force. So as I was demonstrating in class today, when we engage a particular movement, pose, posture, we can't just feel because that person looks a particular way in the posture or pose, we have to look that same way because we have to think about proportion, right? We may be the same height, but my torso may be shorter than yours and my legs may be longer than yours or what, what have you. My arms may be longer or shorter. So we have to take those things into consideration and be aware of how our bodies are built and how much muscle mass we have, you know, you know, if if our muscle fiber is thick or is it lean, is it long, is it short. So we have to think about those things and as assistants or teachers, whatever you want to call yourself, I'm there to assist. As an assistant, part of my job in assisting you is to be aware of those things so that I can help you find a way to ease your body into that movement, pose, or posture while you find the benefits and gain the benefits of that particular posture. So you can find ease. Some postures or many postures, depending on your physical ability, you'll find resistance, you'll find tension as you move into the posture. Now, when you find resistance and tension, you don't want to force. At that point, you want to breathe and ease, allow gravity, allow the weight of your body, allow time, commitment, and the breath to just allow your body to easily open itself and ease and move into the position, to the posture. Because as you force your body into a particular posture, that resistance is going to increase. So as you force and the body resists, the resistance in the body automatically is going to increase because it's thinking that you're going to damage it, you're going to hurt it, you're going to harm it. So it's resistant to protect itself. So we have to be aware of that. So it is a process of easing into as opposed to forcing yourself into a posture. And we want the, the purpose of yoga is to get ourselves to a place of ease as opposed to dis-ease. So when we feel dis-ease, we want to use yoga as a tool to move us into a place of ease so that that dis-ease can slowly melt away with time, with patience, with commitment. So we rather ease into a particular movement or posture than force ourselves into it. We have to also be aware that contorting your body into different shapes and forms doesn't necessarily mean you're doing yoga. It just means you're a contortion. So sometimes we confuse contortionism for yoga, right? If there's no harmony between breath, mind, and movement, then you're not really doing yoga. You're just contorting your body and doing a physical exercise without any awareness or any purpose or attention. 
Wow, that was deep. And that says a lot. I do go to some different yoga classes by different teachers. And some of the ladies in there, they're doing things that I definitely can't do. But I know when I leave yoga, I usually feel more relaxed and more in tune. So I guess Indeed. I'm doing it even if I can't do yeah. all the Exactly, exactly. It's not about them. It's about you. It's your experience, not their experience. They might, they may be able to do all the poses, but are they able to apply the beautiful principles that accompany those poses? Are they able to apply the principles off the mat and live those principles that come with the philosophy and the teachings of yoga? You know, and if you can apply that and you are able to make that a part of your daily life slowly, piece by piece, drop by drop, bit by bit, then you're doing yoga. That's that's the yoga right there. Most people just pay attention to, you know, oh, I can stick my big toe in my right hand, pull it out my left armpit, okay? So what does that mean? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Thank you for that. I needed that, definitely, because I'm the one always falling over in yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Come to my class. We'll help you with the balance. Thank yeah, you. That's true. Now, so I've, I've often heard you say that yoga is slow medicine. In in mm-hmm. what way? Well, there's a book that I referred to quite some time called um, Yoga for Medicine, written by a man by the name of Dr. Timothy McCall. And um, one of the quotes in there says, yoga is slow but powerful medicine. And immediately what came to my mind was over-the-counter medicine, which is quick, right? It works quickly, but then, you know, the, the effects wear off within a matter of hours. Whereas yoga, with again, with commitment and patience and continued practice, the benefits subtle, they're gentle, but over time you will see the benefits start to appear more and you'll feel your body becoming more in tune, your mind, your thoughts becoming more focused, more clear. You'll feel your breath improve, your circulation improve. And you'll start to notice that your quality of life improving slowly, bit by bit, breath by breath. And as that's the slow medicine part, that's the slow medicine that over time it helps to improve your quality of life. So you have to take your medicine on a regular basis. If you don't take your medicine on a regular basis, which is which is practice your yoga, then the benefits of it won't become apparent to you over time. So that slow medicine is very strong because if you practice for five years straight, right, and keep practicing, as the body becomes more mature, right, you'll find that the body will remain, will maintain its strength, its vigor, its vitality, its flexibility. It will maintain its range of motion. The mind will maintain its alertness, its clarity, right? So that's the slow medicine where it's not just going to be like you pop a pill. Yeah, you feel good for a few hours, then a few hours later it's like, ah, again, you're messed up. You have to take some more pills. 
Whereas with yoga, you feel tight, you feel a little stiff, you feel a little stressed out, you roll out the mat, and you take your medicine with purpose, with mindfulness, with awareness, and you ease into your medicine, and you'll find as you ease into your medicine, your medicine will move you into a place of ease and out of that state of dis-ease. And that effect will be long-lasting, and it will follow you every breath you take as you live your life. And it will improve that quality of life. I understand exactly what you're talking about. I just started a new med, sad to say, but um, he told me it was slow-dose medicine. And at first I was like, oh, I heard this before. I heard it before in yoga. And mm-hmm. believe me, if I'm supposed to take it twice a day, if I don't take it twice a day, <laughs> I feel the difference, and it's not pleasant. And I definitely can see how that turns into yoga, where if you're not practicing every day, your mindset changes. When I do it every day, I feel like my eyes are more open. But when I miss days, my eyes seem to close back up. So I get it 100%. Great. Now, Katrina was telling me that... You carry your own weight. I guess that's something that you say in class. It helps helps you carry your own weight. That's what yoga does. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, sometimes when we do certain poses, let's say um, a balancing pose, at the end of class sometimes I like to give them challenges, um, you know, as a treat for doing so well. You know, <laughs> like um, a crow pose or something where it's a balance on the wrist, you know, where you have to hold your own body weight. And I try and remind them that, you know, you if you if it's good when you're able to manage your own body weight on your arms or with your arms. If for some unfortunate reason, your legs aren't functioning and you need to lift or pull yourself up or move yourself from one place to another. Yoga helps to give us the strength or the strength training because in yoga we have strength training, flexibility training, you know, stretching, you know, we do cardio because you work all aspects of the body when you're doing yoga, right? So in those poses, you know, like what we call the pyramid pose or what they call the downward-facing dog or, you know, the cobra. Those poses help you to build up strength in certain parts of the body, the upper body, that help you to lift yourself and you can manage your own body weight. Now, that can translate off the mat where you will have the confidence in your ability because if you have the confidence in your ability to hold a crow pose or a headstand, that will make you confident that you can go out there in the world and you can face the world and you can do your best in the world and still feel content and be successful that you've done your best. Because to me, that's success. When you do something, you've done your best and you feel content that you've done your best. It's not what you have and how much you have, but what you do with what you have and how content you feel. So yoga can help you carry your own weight mentally where you feel confident, good in yourself, about yourself, that you can deal with any situation as it comes at you in life. So you're not always going to be weak in the knees, so to speak, even whether it's physically or mentally. You'll have that 
that fortitude to stand up, to stand firm, to have a strong spine and to stand up and be firm, basically. Just be firm and not be able to have someone just push you over. That sounds great. I don't know. It makes me think of karate a little. My son's in karate, so some of the things you're saying, it makes me think of karate. So is it similar somewhat? Like, I know they do a Tai Chi. It might be closer to yoga in certain stances. A little similarity, maybe? Well, um, in the terms of the the mental discipline and the physical discipline that it demands, yeah, it, there there can be some similarities because in in martial arts you have to develop physical discipline, but before you can develop that physical discipline, you have to be mentally disciplined and you have to have that mental flexibility that says I can do this, I will do this, you know. First, you have to have that mental strength, that mental toughness. So in that regard, they are similar. Okay, great. Great. We are we are um, winding down, and so before we run out of time, I do want to ask, do you offer workshops um, and classes or holistic and wellness coaching to the community? Um, I've done... Um, well, I do private classes, one-on-one classes, and um, I've worked with seniors in workshops, um, seniors that are, you know, in go to community centers. Um, I've done um, after-school programs and before-school programs with children, and um, I've also worked with at-risk children in special um, programs where they've been removed from the school setting. So, and they're either, you know, abusing themselves with substances or they're just abusing themselves and out of control. So I've, you know, been asked to use yoga in those um, types of situations to, you know, help people, you know, focus or find a way to manage whatever it is they're they're dealing with. And um, if anyone is interested, yes, I, I would, I do offer um Workshops, um, you know, they're short workshops, you know, but usually that's if there's a demand, if someone wants a particular workshop for a particular thing, but out of the audience, just out of the blue like that, not really. I just focus on small classes, either group or private sessions, because I like the smaller settings because sometimes when you have too many people, you can't give everyone the attention they may need. So I sometimes shy away from those larger venues, even though, you know, people are like, oh, you can make all this money. We understand that, but if there's a person way in the back and there's like 300 people and I can't see that person, that person can't hear me and they injure themselves or get hurt or do a pose where I'm like, man, this yoga stuff sucks. I hurt myself or what have you. Or that guy's crazy, you know. So, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, I keep, myself insured, you know, but I rather the small classes because then I can focus my attention and I can give everyone the attention they may need. Classes may take a little longer or we may not go through all the poses or, you know, but the fact that I can give people the attention they may want or need 
is more satisfying to me than, you know, a large class. And, you know, that individualized care uh, or attention, it means a lot. Um, it, it means a lot. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that um, because I believe being in a small group, I've, I've, I'm beginning to develop um, um Beginning to get become familiar with um, the others who come to the group, um, but also I I believe that my practice um, is more focused because of the individualized um, attention and because of the small group size. So I, I completely understand that. Uh, Nafa, how can how can we reach you? Um, well, I have my email address. You can reach me at um, postureyourself at gmail dot com. That's p o s t u r e yourself y o u r s e l f at gmail dot com. So, you know, you want to always posture yourself for health, wellness, and well being. One breath, one movement, one pose at a time. Mm. And I want to ask you, how can companies and organizations benefit by offering yoga to their employees? Um, Simple. um, You know, if they have someone come in, do small yoga classes, um, either in the middle of the day or um, after work or before work, you know, you you don't have to do anything where everybody's going to get sweaty and smell funky. They can sit at their desk, do simple movements, neck rotation, you know, um, you know, just stretch out the legs, you know, stand up, do hip rotations, basic forward bends, lateral bends, simple standing back bends, or even breathing exercises or just simple meditation exercises, which will take a lot of the physical tension and stress and fatigue um, off of the employees who may be sitting in an awkward position for hours at a time a day, and the breathing will help them, you know, refresh their mind, clear their mind, release some of that mental anxiety and clutter, um, which could which could translate in a more productive um person, you know, you know, um, a more productive person because they have less stress, less anxiety, less tension, and less fatigue. They feel more at ease, more relaxed. They can breathe better so they can think clearer and they can perform and produce more, you know, which would be, which would make a happy employee and which would make a happy employer. I like that. So yoga is not only a good practice for individuals, but, you know, for companies to to think about adding um, as a benefit to their employees. Wow. Indeed. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Nafa, we have come upon the hour, and we want to thank you so much for being our guest. I, I've learned a lot, and, and um, I believe our audience has learned a lot as well. I um, want you to know that you're welcome back any time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, it was very good. Very good. And can we just add one pinch of something? What can we leave the audience with? You know I'm solution-focused. So what would you give as advice for somebody starting into yoga? Can you say that in like 30 seconds? 
Um, just find a practice and a teacher that makes you feel comfortable and, and at ease and be committed to yourself. The practice is just a tool. So you use the practice as a tool to get where you want to go, but you have to be committed to you, your health, your well-being, not the physical movements. The physical movements, the practice, again, is just a tool. You have to be committed to yourself. And, again, find a teacher that's going to help you help yourself. Awesome, awesome. All right. Again, Nafa, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We want to thank our listening audience um, for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. Please join us again next week at 5 p.m. All right, Yasina, have a great day. All right, you too. Talk to you soon. All All right. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness. Join your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute, along with Hasina Roach, Relational Consultant and Radio Host, Wanda Miles. We teach aspiring entrepreneurs and those interested in personal and professional development how to create positive shifts in their work life and balance so they can become the director of their own life stories. Is your life story one you would love to see improve? Then join us here live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Bring a friend and share the prosperity.